ironoverload.io presents Iron Overload No Bullshit Podcast with your co-host Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the UG info like you've never heard before. No bullshit, no lies, straight hardcore truth. A bodybuilding podcast like you never heard before. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, IronOverload.io, hardcore episode number 33. And this one we're going to be talking about injection help and help with post-injection pain or PIP. Steve and the Mobster are here. So let's start first, Mobster, with allergy to oil. So, you know, we all have different allergies. A lot of people out there, you know, you're listening to this, you may have allergies on a day-to-day basis. And a lot of it could have to do with the food you're eating the water you're drinking, um, if you're drinking water that has chlorine in it or other type of chemicals, you may drink the water or you might shower in the water and end up afterwards having a runny nose or having the sniffles or, you know, having a hack, having um, a, a frog in your throat or even having things on your skin, itchy skin, rashes and all that stuff. Well, it's the same thing with these oils that we're injecting. You know, you may be just simply allergic to the certain oil. So a lot of these underground labs, they come up with peanut oil um, injection. Well, if you're allergic to peanuts and you're injecting uh, something with peanut oil, then uh, you're kind of screwed. So it's very important to, if you experience this post-injection pain from a certain oil, is to reach out to your source and ask them, hey, what is the carrier oil of this gear? And they can tell you that, and then you can switch to a different uh, carrier oil and see if it makes a difference. So that is a a smart thing to do, and you can kind of make a note of that. Be like, yeah, I'm allergic to this type of oil that this source and this brand use. So the top sources out there, they'll have different brands for a reason. A lot of people want to know, hey, why does this source on our forum have like 10 or 12 or 15 different brands? Well, that's why. Because some people react better to certain brands, just the way they cut cut the oil. So, Mobster, tell us more about this. Yeah, I was just thinking of something else, Steve. Sometimes it's just concentration of products uh, that does that. And as you say, uh, I, I've never really been a brand guy. I've said this a million times on the forum. So, uh, for me, a trusted source, an approved source, will have multiple brands. Occasionally, I'll say... I've tried this particular brand, whether it's an oil or injectable or whatever else, or buddies of mine have tried products that I've obtained. Uh, and I said, I said, I'm not really a brand guy, but for what's exactly what Steve said, different companies will use different concentrations. You're even looking at purity of product there. For example, sources that we are not familiar with, who knows what they're using, what they're telling you they're using. As I said before, we talked about crash products. And I think we mentioned on a, a podcast we recorded recently when we said we were talking about a very similar uh, subject, when we said we've seen, I've seen photographs, I think I've seen uh, people shown me the vial that they've got, an amp that they've got, where there's been bits of stuff floating in there. And again, guys, think about what you're talking about here. You are ultimately self-medicating uh, a kind of medication that was for another reason from a company, what we call a UGL. So we prefer approved sources for this thing because you can find videos on YouTube, uh, one that was kind of clean, Steve, where they were making up steroids 
in their kitchen. They covered everything in polyphene, but they were doing this in their kitchen. I've seen videos of products made in a garage. Dave Crossland did the video with the, the, the I think it was Cipionate and Amphate, and it was, it was zapped in a microwave, Steve. It was all open. It was in a garage. It was a coffee table next to the microwave, and they made it on camera. So, guys, I mean, especially when you talk about sometimes my supplier, I sometimes hear this as well. I want to know where it's come from. I want it to be an approved or recommended source. If it's a brand, a brand again, because I'm not brand specific, but a lot of you guys are, I want it to be a brand that I've used before, ideally, because then I know unless they've changed the carrier. And again, you can ask every single time if you want to. That's what customer service is for. You want to know these things and you want to know, like Steve said. And like I said, there's even, for example, certain alcohols that some people are more sensitive to others. Just as well as just as much as yours, some actually sting, whereas others are, are kind of mild and they do not. And that's just in the alcohol carrying products. Uh, and it, it's your specific response. A reaction is not harming you, but it stings, and you don't want it to sting. You don't want it to be uncomfortable. In fact, sometimes Steve, the alcohol concentration could be so high in those kind of products, it's kind of killing bacteria and germs. But yeah, it hurts like hell, and we don't want that. So the oil and or the alcohol, the carrier fluid that's got your steroid in is important. You want it to be clean and you want it to be something that you don't have a response to. And so this is for, especially you guys that are pinning multiple times per week. Once a week, stings for five minutes, fine. Okay, there's a con concentration of alcohol is a bit high. But multiple injections, site injections, all that kind of stuff. Steve, I don't want none of those things. I want it to be, we want it to be smooth, we want it to be pain-free, and we want a quality product. So that's the reason why some of you guys are very brand-specific, and you can ask any decent company, especially recommended approved sources, will always have customer service that can check this out for you. So don't be afraid to ask. I want to talk on to the next topic here, Steve, and it's sometimes the sheer volume that a few of you guys are injecting. Now, when we talk about cycles online, Steve, as you know, and we can talk about typical cycles, volumes of liquid, I think most of us are injecting two mil, one to two mil. I'm typically a one mil kind of guy. If I'm doing one particular product, even if I'm doing two things, it's going to be two mils total, and that's with two different uh, uh, steroids. But for most of you, I'm, I'm, and again, I'm looking at the kind of cycles that I see online, I'm thinking it's around two mil. I have, on occasion, heard of people going up to four mil. I'm sure Steve says, and what do we mean by four mil? A teaspoon is about five milliliters mil of fluid. And a little bit less than that would be four mil. It's a big injection, Steve, as you know. And it is a lot of fluid, especially some muscles. For example, your glutes and your quads, you'd probably be okay. Just, and especially if it's a proper deep intramuscular injection. But I wouldn't want, for example, to stick formula into a shoulder or into a bicep. So what do you think, Steve, about this sheer volume of liquid? Yeah, so the more, of course, it's just like an allergy. Let's say you're allergic to peanuts and you eat one peanut. Is it going to do much for you? Now, in most situations, you'll be okay. But if you eat 100 peanuts and you're allergic to peanuts, you could go into an anaphylactic shock. Your throat could close up and you could die right there unless you get an inject, you know, an injection. So unless you get medical care, unless you have uh, an EpiPen waiting for you. So it's the same thing here. So how much you put could make a difference. So even if you're allergic to a certain oil and you put a little bit at a time, 
you can get away with it. But if you do a lot, then obviously it's going to hurt like hell the next day. It's going to feel like you got hit by a baseball bat. And you're going to have a big-ass lump, you know, on your ass when you sit down if you do glute injections. So that's a that's a way to know right there uh, as well. But so, you know, if you're going to load up a syringe with three cc's and just go into uh, your glute or go into your shoulder, then you're you might be taking a gamble if you don't know for sure that you're okay with that particular oil. Now, another trick with when it comes to volume of oils, volume injection, and we're going to talk a little bit about that on the next segment about certain steroids that give more, but I'll talk about it right now. Like, for example, if you ever use bare primobolin, which I have, stuff is like motor oil. I mean, it is thick. Just to draw up the oil, you can't even use a 23-gauge needle to draw that up. You need like a really thick 18 or 18 uh, gauge needle to draw that oil up. And it's a long injection. If you're using a 25 gauge needle to actually inject, it takes a long time. So obviously in that situation, a smart thing to do would be to dilute the oil with something else. So you can take the Primo, dilute it with some testosterone, dilute it with some Equipoise or some Deca or something like that. A, uh, an, uh, a steroid that doesn't cause post-injection pain. So now you're getting a little bit of the Primo and then more of another steroid. And when you mix them, when you, shoot, when you inject it, they'll take the edge off. So you won't get as much. So I'm surprised that more and more people don't do that. Um, they complain about post-injection pain. And then you ask them, you know, hey, what did you inject? They're like, oh, I injected the steroid. Well, did you mix it? No, I did not. I didn't know we could. So a lot of yeah. people don't know that. So there's nothing wrong with mixing up your oils. And that'll take the edge off a lot. So if you if you like a steroid and it gives you post-injection pain, use another steroid that does not. So I would load up on and on Equipoise or DECA or testosterone, one of those that you really inject and it's smooth, and then mix it with anytime you're injecting an oil that isn't smooth, inject and, and uh, mix it in that in the same syringe. You can do one cc of the steroid that bothers you, and a half a cc or one cc of the steroid that doesn't mix them together that will definitely help take take the edge off but my gosh if you if you got post injection pain from something and you're just doing 3 cc's of the whole thing you <laughs> you're in trouble trust me on that one let me jump back in here Steve, just for a second quite often guys when we're doing these podcasts I'll say yeah you put yourself back on mute So medically speaking, most steroids were created for particular medical conditions, and it was rare, if hardly ever happened at all, uh, for them to use more than one steroid to treat a medical condition. But of course, in performance enhancing, we're not looking at it that way. So as Steve said, it's actually kind of strange to not see people mixing steroids together in the same vial, in the, in the, in the same syringe. And again, I would still, even if I've talked multiple times, Steve, as you know, about one of my favorite cycles of Sustendeca, that was in one in syringe. That was one injection because I was only doing one cc, one milliliter of each uh, at a time, so two times a week, every three or four days. So it was, yeah, that was kind of normal. I didn't even think about it, Steve, but yeah, you're right. We see this quite often. And again, this is also a problem, guys, if you think about it, 
if you are doing two or more steroids, especially if you're getting the three, four steroids a week, you've got to watch the frequency of injection. You've got to rotate the sites. We're going to talk about these things again. But also, you're, you have deliberately planned out a cycle with multiple steroids. It makes sense as much as possible to have those two or three or whatever, if it's possible, mixed together. Uh, just to reduce the sheer number of injections and whatever else. Again, now I'll touch on something that Steve said already, because that would be the, the, our, our next topic. There are, just for individuals as well as steroids by reputation, specific steroids where it does seem that some sting or cause post-injection pain more than others. Now, Steve's more of an expert on this. So which ones, apart from Primo, Steve, by reputation, would you say also can cause these kind of effects that we're referring to. Yeah, so the, you know, the ones to watch out for are the testosterone propionate. Uh, that one is really, really rough um, on a lot of people. So if you're taking testosterone propionate, you might want to mix it, mix in another steroid with it. Um, also, watch out for the ones that have big molecular weight. So if you see something like testosterone T400, 400 milligrams per milliliter, for example, instead of 200 or 250 milligrams per milliliter, that might be yeah. a red flag. But on the flip side, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that because Primobolin, the bare Primobolin came in 100 milligram per milliliter. So, but if you go to an underground lab that has Primobolin, it's 200 milligrams per milliliter. So you would think, yeah, the underground lab Primo would have more post-injection pain but it doesn't because the underground lab, they're able to kind of um, do, they, they use a different carrier oil. They're able to kind of, you know, move things around a little bit where it takes the edge off. So you'll have less post-injection pain with 200 milligrams per milliliter versus 100 milligrams per milliliter. So it's all trial and error. It's all seeing what, what reacts to you and what doesn't. And some of you out there, you may not have any issues with post-injection pain. And some of you will be like me. And even if you move, use the most smooth oil, it's still going to irritate you. You'll still have some post-injection pain. You'll still have some soreness of sight. I injected two days ago, and I'm touching right now where I injected, and I still feel sore in that spot. But if you're weight training every day and stuff, like I'm, today I'm going to go work out that muscle. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm working it out. It's going to move the oil a little bit. So I won't even notice the little pain because of your, you know, I'm sore anyway, from my workout. So it's kind of, it kind of like offsets, you know, the, uh, it, it offsets it anyway. So that's the kind of, that's the kind of struggle we have to go through. But on the flip side, mobs are like, if I inject something that really is getting post-injection pain and I'm going to go work out that muscle, it affects my workout negatively. Yes. If I inject my shoulder and the next day I'm, I'm doing like an overhead press or something, which I don't do many of, or, or I do pull-ups or something, because I don't really like to hammer my shoulders anymore, then it, it affects me. So you have to kind of factor that in. You you know, another trick is you got to kind of time your injections and mold them to where it's going to affect you or not. So if you're going to do like a lot of, you know, um, monkey bars and pull-ups and presses and stuff like that, it's probably not a good idea. And you suffer from a lot of post-injection pain. It's probably not a good idea to pin your shoulder the day before you're going to do that. So you may want to wait till after your workout. And this is something I've learned after my workout of a certain muscle, I'll go and pin that muscle. It's going to be nice and warm. I'll take a hot shower. My muscle will be loose. It'll be nice to inject. 
But for me, like wake up in the morning, muscles are cold and trying to inject the muscle. A lot of times, and you don't want to even go in. My muscle would be like, nope, I don't want it. So I found that. I found it's better to, to do it that way. I'll, I'll echo what Steve just said because it makes no sense to me whatsoever to site, for example, to site inject your biceps. And I don't even want to get into the whole site injection uh, principles and ideas and whatever else because when it comes to steroids, especially low volumes of steroids, guys, it really isn't anything properly, scientifically speaking. There's a tiniest bit of evidence to suggest that if a steroid is injected, for example, into the bicep, that any muscle receptors that are, are ready for the steroids to, to hook into in that muscle may be stimulated ever so slightly. And, and that comes from one of the, the mods that we used to have on our, on our forums. I'm not 100% convinced on that, but it makes no sense to me whatsoever to, for example, site inject the biceps and then go do the curls. Because you, you bought the, for example, even if, even if your body was able to absorb an injected steroid super quick, You've still put oil and or alcohol into that muscle, one or two mil, three mil, whatever, and then you're pumping your arms. So essentially, you've caused a, a, a very, very small micro trauma, Steve, and then you're pounding away in the gym. You're doing crazy stuff. You're getting your 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 bang for your buck out of the steroids you just used. And, and essentially, we're talking about post injection pain here, guys. So if you don't get it, maybe there's an argument to say, fine, crack on. But if you do get it, you're just making it worse. I will also echo something else that Steve said, and I've seen this multiple times. I would probably say 90% of people, Steve, there's 10% of you guys who will feel fine. But 90% of you, if you use what we call a high volume per milligram, so in other words, if you look at the way pharmaceutical companies used to produce steroids back in the day, the steroids that we use performance enhancement now, and there's only one or two that still do, those things very rarely exceeded 300 milligrams per milliliter. Uh, and there was a reason for that. There's nothing to stop a pharmaceutical company putting in more if it works and was effective. And if it was a cost issue, they would just charge you more. That's how pharma works. But they don't. So uh, underground labs can and have, and occasionally you'll find one or two examples where it's good and people don't have any problems. But for the most part, 300 milligrams is about the limit. The 90% of you that I referred to earlier on will have problems with 350, 400, 450, and 500. And you can find products out there that have that percentage, that, that amount of milligram of steroid per milliliter, especially if it's a mix, but even in single anabolic steroids per milliliter. It just seems to cause problems, guys. And it's I don't, as often as not, it's not a cost issue. Again, it, all it's doing is less than the frequency or the volume of fluid that's been injected, uh, but at a cost. So again, like I said, pharmaceutical companies could have manipulated that back in the day. Absolutely no problem. When they were making them in 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s, it is zero issue for them to manufacture it like that. But they didn't. And there's a very good reason for that. And it makes no sense, therefore, for the majority of you to go ahead and say, Do you know what, uh, 400 milligrams of mil is going to work for me, and then find that it doesn't. A few of you will, but the most of you won't. I also want to talk about actual bad sites to in places to inject, Steve. I mean, again, guys, if you don't know what you're doing when it comes to site injection, you need to know 
the right places because otherwise this is going to end up ugly. But there are certain sites on your body, and I think Steve's touched on this before, so I'll let him come in now, where the nerves are close to the surface. The nerves are where the injection is going to be. So talk about bad places to inject full stop seat. So there's a website that you can Google. It's called Spot Injections. You kind of Google that, and it gives you the different places where you can inject. So at the end of the day, look, some places for each of you are going to be good places to inject and some places aren't. You know, my left quad doesn't like to be injected, but my right quad is okay with it. But sometimes on my right quad, I'll hit a blood, I'll hit a blood vessel. So you got to be careful. You don't want to go through a blood vessel because when you take the needle out, it's going to gush, you know, it's going to be a lot of blood. So you want to make sure you avoid hitting blood. It's not that easy, but you have to kind of know that. So when you, when you put the needle in, if something feels odd, if something feels off, like you hit a nerve or you hit blood or something, just take the needle out. Don't continue your injection. Take the needle out, switch out the needle for a new one. Maybe go take a hot shower, clear your mind and then try it again in a different spot. Now, if it's your first time injecting, a strategy that I like people to do is you take an ice pack and you put it on the spot you're gonna be injecting and you numb, as Mobster said, the top of the skin is where most of the nerves are. So numb that, don't numb the muscle. I'm gonna have people now be like, oh, Steve, you're telling people to numb the muscle, blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying to numb the muscle. I'm saying to numb the top of the skin where it's where you know it's it's numb, right? And then when you inject, you won't feel a damn thing because as soon as it gets through the skin, that layer of skin, there's very, very little nerves where you'll feel anything. So that's a great way if it's your first few times injecting to kind of get used to things and you wouldn't feel that needle going in. So it's really you know, it's very nerve-wracking the first time you inject. I mean, it's going to, I can remember the first time I injected, it was very nerve wracking, but I, um, I was like, look, you know, I want to take my fitness to another level. This is, this is what I got to do. So, you know, I did it and it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. So, you know, there's videos online you can watch. I'm not saying every video obviously on uh, social media is, is good. Most of them aren't, but if you find a, a good video, where they they show you how to do it. Try to find that video from an actual doctor, not not a phony uh, fake doctor, and then uh, and then go from there. I mean, it's 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 something. And if you're ever doing an injection, and look, you don't you don't feel like it, you don't you've got kind of doubts, you're not sure, then just stop for like 10, 15 minutes, clear your mind, and then go back and try again. Especially the first few times you do it, and then once you get used to, it, look, there's a method to this. Like if you keep injecting over and over and over again over time and you still have problems, this is why we're doing this podcast. It's yeah. okay to change things. I'm not there with you, okay? I didn't take your shorts off and I'm not watching you pin your ass to tell you if you're doing something right or wrong. So you have to realize, you have to freaking figure it out. You have to figure out what am I doing wrong? If you continuously get injection problems, you have to figure out what am I doing wrong? you're continuously getting abscesses, if you're continuously getting infections from injecting, 
you can seriously have to go to the doctor and have them drain your injection site because you get a really bad in infection, you get a really bad abscess, then you have to figure it out. Yeah. You know, also every time you inject and you get a problem, a major problem, a rash, a fever, something like that, it's going to put more pressure on your immune system. It's going to stress your body out more and it's going to make you weaker. It's going to make it harder for you to get strength and get muscle. So you have to figure this out. That's why we're doing this podcast. So, I mean, I think we've covered just about everything, Mobster. Why don't you, you know, no, no, what no, else can you add? Yeah. Two, two more. One on the thing that you've just said there, Steve, is, guys, relax. Literally relax. So what, what I mean, don't tense up. If you tense up, if, for example, you're a little bit nervous, like Steve said, and you tense up, it's that much harder to inject and it's that much more likely to cause pain. But one more thing, Steve. And, and, I, and I made a quick note of this. Guys will sometimes skimp on the cost by reusing needles. They'll draw up. I mean, some of you guys can get away with this. You'll use, you've got your, your vial of your steroid. You, you get your syringe and you put a pin on the end and you draw up. But without realizing it, you bang the bottom of the vial and you're blunt in the end of the needle. And then because you're cheaping up, some guys are just want a 500 thousand dollars for a proper cycle uh, of injectables say eight weeks and you're using two different steroids and you've ordered from an approved source and then you're cheap out on the syringes the actual pin not the syringe sorry the actual needle that you're using because you're changing that this is what you should do guys you should draw up in my opinion with a pin a with a needle and then change the needle for the injection and as the guys, sometimes we see this. I don't understand it. Why spend a thousand dollars on a cycle of growth, insulin, whatever, two different stories, and so on and so forth, and then try to save a few bucks on something that's costing you pennies? And it is pennies, Steve, as you know, per needle. It doesn't make any sense. And even things like, as Steve said already, and it's the last one on this particular subject, Steve using a larger gauge of needle, that's basically a bigger tube to, to draw up, and then a smaller gauge to inject. It's going to take longer to push it into your body, into the muscle, but be patient. It will. It, the smaller needles are less painful than bigger needles. It's as simple as that. There are some products, as Steve touched on earlier on, with thicker oils, Primo, like you said, based earlier on, it's a pain in the ass to draw up, and it's a pain in the ass to inject. I mean, I don't mean that literally. What I mean is that it's just that much longer to get out of the vial, and it's that much longer to push into the muscle. Don't. There's one more thing, Stephen. It just occurred to me, and it, I, I've had I've done this in the past. When you become more relaxed, and when you become more uh, experienced at injections, you have a you won't have a habit, which I think we've all done at one time or another. Steve, we've pushed the syringe, the needle's gone into the muscle, and we hold it carefully so it doesn't move around in the muscle while we're injecting. And occasionally you'll see inexperienced users where they're, 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 they're moving it around from side to side, back and forth, even if they're not pulling it in and out of the muscle. Uh, there's a bunch of little things. It's just silly little things that we do where we lack the experience of doing it multiple times. And then once we realize that we can hold it in position, it doesn't have to move around. We're going to cause less trauma to the muscle that's been injected and therefore less site injection pain guys i hope we've covered a bunch of points here today on 
negating as much as possible the post-injection pain a few of you may struggle with and, and suffer from and giving you some ideas and tips. Like Steve says, ultimately, your experience is a big part of this and you need to be kind of analytical, especially when you're new to this in, is that product causing me a rash? Is it my injection technique? Am I, am I being cheap with the needles? Is it a, 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 an allergic reaction to the oil or the alcohol? These things are important. You need to be aware of them. And again, it's a, you're putting that into your body with your choice. So make sure that you take some responsibility for what you're doing to yourself, as well as asking the right questions of the company or the brand or your supplier when you're doing this. Please note, we are not doctors and these opinions are ours. It's our view and based on our experience and views on the topic, our podcast for informational purposes and entertainment only, the freedom of speech and the First Amendment applies.